out to the Lord. We'll take our Bibles and dive right into the message today. Mark chapter 15. Mark chapter 15. We've been going through the book of Mark for a long time, and we're getting towards the end here. And last week we started looking at how they arrested Jesus, and really they took him in the middle of the night. And the witnesses, there were no witnesses that agreed, so they should have let him go. So it was illegal what they did after that. The high priest gets up and questions him when at a trial. The high priest was supposed to sit there and listen in. And so we see all these illegal activities take place around Jesus. And we know he's close to dying for our sins. And I'm glad that we've read the back of the book and we know that he wins. But imagine living this and being there in this time, not having Mark chapter 16 or having the book of Revelation and living in the middle of seeing these things take place. As we look today at Mark chapter 15, we dive in here today. I'm going to look at today three groups of people that rejected Jesus. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah that he was despised and rejected. And we look at our world today, there are those that reject Jesus. And the Bible makes it clear, he that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not, not the Son of God hath not life. It comes down to the most important question in all the world. What it comes down to is, who do you say Jesus is to you? Didn't Jesus ask his disciples that question? Who do you say that I am? And you got to understand, those that reject Jesus, there's a penalty and a cost for that. And so we're going to look today at three groups of people that rejected the King of Kings. Mark 15, let's read this morning, starting in verse number 1. And straightway, remember as we've gone through the book of Mark, there are so many times, immediately, straightway, it just goes, it's action-packed, it just keeps moving, moving, moving. And so in straightway, in the morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council and bound Jesus and carried him away and delivered him to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, Art thou the king of the Jews? And he answering said unto him, Thou sayest it. And the chief priest accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. And Pilate asked him again, saying, Answerest thou nothing? Behold, how many things they witness against thee. But Jesus yet answered nothing, so that Pilate marveled. Now at the feast he released unto them one prisoner, whomsoever they desired. And there was one named Barabbas, which lay bound with them, that had made insurrection with them, who had committed murder in the insurrection. And the multitude crying aloud began to desire him to do as he had ever done unto them. But Pilate answering them, saying, Will you that I release unto you the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priests had delivered him for envy. Look at that right there. Pilate knew why the religious people turned Jesus in. They did it for envy. Let's keep on reading. But the chief priests moved the people that he should rather release Barabbas unto them. And Pilate answered and said again unto them, what will ye then that I should do unto him whom ye call the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Crucify him. Then Pilate said unto them, Why? What evil hath he done? Pilate knew Jesus was innocent. We're going to go back through these verses and we're going to look at some of the other gospels. 
Herod knew he was innocent. They knew he was innocent. And yet we see, and they cried out the more exceedingly, crucify him. And so Pilate, willing to content the people, more concerned about what the people thought, released Barabbas unto them and delivered Jesus when he had scourged him to be crucified. Father, we need your help this morning. I pray that you would guide us, guide our time. We need you today. Help us as we look at this passage of Scripture. And as I've been going through studying, getting these messages ready as we get ready to close out the book of Mark, it just is amazing to me that you would willingly give your life so that we could have life. Thank you for that. I pray that you guide our time, and I pray all that's said and done this morning would bring you honor and bring you glory. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, Sheldon's still awake. We're doing good. All right, let's get into number one this morning. Jesus is rejected by the religious people. We go back to verse number one of our text. We're going to go through these verses. We read them a few minutes ago, but we're going to go through them as we go through it. It says, And straightway in the morning the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes, and the whole council and bound Jesus and carried him away and delivered him to Pilate. That word morning refers to the time between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. So think with me. First off, they took Jesus around midnight, midnight to somewhere in that time, and they already had tried him in the middle of the night. Now they get all the council together just to read, just to, they're trying to make sure it looks like it's all okay what they're doing. And so this is, the sun's barely coming up, and they're bringing Jesus before them. And as soon as that happens, we see the chief priests, the rulers, all of them come together to try and get them to all agree with what they came to in the middle of the night. Last night, or last week, we read that. We read how they asked him certain things. Remember all those witnesses? No witnesses agreed. Someone brought a false witness against Jesus, but then there was no other false witness. Their stories didn't line up. And technically, if they followed Old Testament law, if you were a false witness, you are worthy of death. But I don't see that happening here. We all chief priest steps up, and we see all the things that happen. They beat Jesus. They treat him terribly. And the Bible tells us as we look and we think on these things, in Luke chapter 22, this is in the morning, and it says, And as soon as it was day, the elders of the people and the chief priests and the scribes came together and led him into their council, saying, Art thou the Christ? Tell us. Well, in the middle, earlier in the night, they already got him to say, yes, I am. But now they want everyone else to hear. And he said unto them, if I tell you, you will not believe. And if I also ask you, you will not answer me, nor let me go. Hereafter shall the Son of Man sit on the right hand of the power of God. And they then said they all, art thou then the Son of God? And he said to them, ye say that I am. And they said, what need we any further witness? For we ourselves have heard heard of his own mouth. So you have all these religious folks back together, and this time they're all there, and what they heard a few hours earlier, all they want him to do is say the same thing so they can say that he's guilty of blasphemy so that he's worthy of death. Now you got to understand something as you look at the scriptures and you understand the timetable and what happened in those days. Rome, Rome was in charge, dominated the world during this time. So they could not just put Jesus to death because he was guilty of blaspheme. Blaspheming God. 
They had to take him, and a Roman ruler had to appoint him to death. That's the way that it worked. And so the Jews condemned him, but they didn't have the authority to put him to death. And so as we look at this, the Jews, what do they do? They come before Pilate, but this is the thing. When they go before Pilate, they don't accuse him of claiming to be the Son of God. They go after him in another light so that Pilate will be against him. Now you say, what verses are we looking at? Luke 23 and verse number 2. This is what the religious folks said to Pilate. And they began to accuse him, saying, We found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to give tribute to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ, a king. So you see, they didn't go to Pilate and say, Hey, this guy says he's the son of God. He's blasphemed. He's done this. He needs to die according to our law. No, that's not how they come in. Hey, Pilate, this guy's trying to cause an uproar. He doesn't want people to give tribute. Now, is it true that Jesus didn't want people to give tribute to Caesar? What did we read a few weeks ago? Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. So is this true? It's not true, these false accusations that they're bringing. But this is where they begin. These wicked men knew that if they could get Pilate's attention, then they could accomplish their agenda and kill Jesus. That's what they wanted to do. Remember we read a few weeks ago. They wanted him dead. They didn't like him. He didn't fit into their narrative. Their religion didn't like them, like him. And as we think about that, there's a very important truth that as we see the religious folks of the day, they rejected Jesus. You say, well, why would the religious people reject Jesus? The same reason religious people reject Jesus today. You've got to understand something. Religion and relig people that are super religious, a lot of times what it does is it takes the place of who Jesus is. And I'm all for having some religion, some old-time religion, whatever the case may be. We've got to understand something. There are a lot of people that put their religion, and they don't need Jesus. As we look here, as far as these Jewish rulers were concerned, they had money, they had power, they had all that they needed. They didn't need Jesus. They didn't want Jesus. He was a threat to what they already had, and they didn't want those things. You've got to understand, they rejected him, because they had no room for him. They didn't want him. And you got to understand something. No religious system has room for Jesus today. Religion is all about human involvement and what we can do to get us somewhere. But we got to understand that biblical Christianity is the fact that we cannot get ourselves somewhere. We need God, and we need him to do what he did so we can get somewhere. Does that make sense? What religion says is you got to do this, and you got to do that, and if you do this, then maybe you're going to get somewhere. And what biblical Christianity says is Christ has already done it, and we just follow him and put our faith in him and what he's done. That's the difference in the two. And as we think on those things, that's a big difference. The Bible makes it clear, Ephesians chapter 2, verse number 8 and 9, For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. Could it be any clearer? It is the gift of God. It's not of works. There is nothing that you and I could do to earn salvation. Because our righteousness is as filthy rags. There's nothing, there's none righteous, no, not one. We're not good enough. Thank God there was one good enough named Jesus. 
And because of him and because of God's grace, we're saved today. Thank God for that. Religion doesn't get that. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter number 3 and verse number 20, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. You cannot be good enough. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. The law, you got to understand something. We were never, no one was ever going to be able to keep all the law. The law was there to be our schoolmaster, to teach us that we were not good enough. And then there would come one good enough in Jesus Christ. The Bible makes that clear. The Bible tells us in Titus 3, verse 5, 3 through 5, For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving diverse lusts and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. But after, I love these verses right here, after that, the kindness and love of God our Savior towards men appeared, Jesus. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. By the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. As we look at those things, it's crystal clear that salvation is based on faith in Christ and in Christ alone. Salvation can never be in what any man could ever do. It is always on what Jesus has already done. The gospel is clear on that fact. And the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 5 and 1 Corinthians 15, there are so many things that are there, and it tells us it's the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But you know what religion will tell you? Hey, if you give enough, you might be able to get there. Hey, you pray enough, you might be able to get there. You do good works, you might be able to get there. You get baptized or sprinkled, whatever the case may be, you might be able to get there. You attend church, you do good works, and maybe you can get there. But none of those things, no, nothing we can do works repentance. There's nothing powerful enough to save but the blood of Jesus Christ and what he did for us. You see, in that day, the religious rejected Jesus. But I want to remind you today, the religious today reject Jesus. We have a problem even in our Baptist circles. There are a lot of, and I'm not saying for salvation, we got a lot of saved, and that, but in our Baptist churches, we get so caught up on our little things that we want to do, and what we think, and our little preferences and things, we forget who Jesus even is. We got to be very careful about that. Jesus is greater than any religion. Don't ever forget that. Jesus is greater, and always Jesus is what matters. And may I just remind you today, there are people that reject him today, just like they did on that day. Number one, we see the religious people rejected Jesus. Number two, we see Jesus is rejected by the rulers. He's rejected by the rulers. Look with me in verse number two, and let's read through verse number five. Now you'll notice, do you notice how Jesus responds differently to Pilate than what he does to the chief priests in those? If you haven't noticed, we'll read it again. And Pilate asked him, Art thou the king of the Jews? And he answered and said unto him, Thou sayest it. And the chief priests accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. And Pilate asked him again, saying, Answerest thou nothing? Behold, how many things they witness against thee. But Jesus yet answered nothing, so that Pilate marveled. When Jesus arrives before Pilate, we see the fact the governor asks Jesus, Hey, there's a lot of accusations. What do you have to say for yourself? And we see that he says nothing. 
We see that before the chief priests and the, and the religious rulers, we see the fact that he said, I am. And they didn't like that when he said, I am. But you got to understand something this morning. Those in the temple, the religious crowd, they had the Old Testament. For Jesus to say, I am, they knew what he was saying. And they didn't believe it, and that's, why they hate, that's one of the reasons they hated him so much. How dare you say that, but he is the Son of God. If Jesus were to say to Pilate, I am, Pilate doesn't have a clue. Pilate hasn't read the Old Testament. Pilate hasn't done any of those things. He's a Gentile on the outside. He doesn't even know what truth is. We, at least the Jews, and you got to think about this, the Jews had the truth. They should have known that Jesus came and fulfilled all those prophecies that were given in the Old Testament. But we look here at Pilate, and we see some things about Pilate, and the Bible tells us in John 18, verse 33, Then Pilate entered into the judgment hall again, and called Jesus and said to him, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus said, and Jesus, and Jesus answering him, Sayest thou this thing of thyself, or did others tell thee it of me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Thine own nation and the chief priests hath delivered me unto thee. What hast thou done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now is my kingdom not from hence. And we see Jesus in his response here. You got to understand as we look at these things, Pilate didn't know these things. Pilate didn't have the scriptures. Why do they, Pilate asked him, why your own people are turning on you? Why are they turning on you? Pilate didn't have a clue. He was clueless to these things. He didn't have the information. He was given, you think about this, Pilate was given an opportunity to meet Jesus. He had the way, the truth, and the life right before his very eyes. And at the end, he washes his hands and rejects Jesus. He had an opportunity. May I just say, the religious crowd, they had their opportunity, and they rejected him. We see Pilate, let's talk about Pilate for a few minutes. When you think about Pilate and we look at his life, and there's not a lot that we know. And you can go back to historians like Josephus and others and hear things about Pilate. But really, before he was governor, there's not much known about Pilate. And when you think about Pilate, he was really one of these guys that was heavy-handed and did a bad job as a leader. He was governor of that area between 26 and 36 AD. And according to the Jewish historian Josephus, he was responsible most of the turmoil that happened in the 10 years he was governor, he was responsible for by the actions that he did. We'll use an example. I mentioned, remember, it's been, a, oh, it's been a while, going back through the book of Mark. I know you can't remember why I preached last Sunday. I don't even remember why I preached last Sunday. That's why we're going verse by verse. We, we talked about the last few verses last week. But a long time ago, we talked about the word Corbin. And Jesus told them that word Corbin, that's something that was set apart for God. And so he went, so Pilate went into the temple and took the money, the Corbin that was set apart for God, and used it to build an aqueduct. Got the Jews very upset with him. There's other things that happen. We go through a list of different things. And uh, he lost his position when he ordered his cavalry to attack some Samaritans who had gathered at a mount for a religious quest. This man 
hungered for power. He wanted power. He is driven for power. But you got to understand something. He lived for himself. Tradition and history tell us he was exiled in northern Europe and that he committed suicide. He never found true happiness. Now you could look, there are other traditions out there that they say lots of different things. So you say, are those traditions true? Are they not? I wasn't there. If a historian or a tradition says something, you can take it with a grain of salt. Ever heard that phrase? I'll tell you this, if the book says it, it's 100% accurate. It's true. Everything's right in this book. The things that people might say or the historians write, they could be true, they might not be. But I'll tell you this, if he ended up taking his life, you got to understand something. You can live for power. You can live for all these different things. But you got to understand something. You lose your power, you get humbled. And we see or we hear what happened. And this self-centered man had the opportunity. He had Jesus before him. Think about this. He had the opportunity. He had Jesus in the flesh right there before him. As we look at these things, verse number 3 tells us the fact that the Jews made all sorts of accusations against him. And Jesus remained silent. Isaiah 53, verse number 7, a prophecy there. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He's brought as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before her shears is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. In verse 4 and 5, Pilate attempts to get Jesus to defend himself. You see those verses there, and Pilate asks him again, saying, Answerest thou nothing? Behold how many they witness, how many things they witness against thee. But Jesus yet answered nothing, so that Pilate marveled. And again we see Jesus just stands there, and he's quiet. He refuses to answer these things. And Pilate's amazed. Wow. Pilate can tell there's something a little different about this guy. What's the first thing that happens? I've been on some ride-alongs with our police department. And when someone gets arrested, it's always, I didn't do it. That wasn't me. It's just a misunderstanding. That's not really what took place. Everyone always is defending themselves pretty quick. There's no defense from Jesus here. He's quiet. He's about to die. As we continue on, you got to understand, that's all the details that Mark gives us about the interaction with Pilate. But we could go to the other Gospels and see what takes place. The Bible tells us in Luke 23, verse number 6 through 12, when Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked whether the man were a Galilean. And as soon as he knew that he belonged under Herod's jurisdiction, oh, Pilate, what a, what a, what a great guy. What a man with some backbone. Man, he sounds like some of our political leaders today, right? I'm just going to pass him right along. He's not in my jurisdiction. I'm not going to do anything with him. He sent him to Herod, who also was at Jerusalem at that time. Perfect timing. There are more verses there. And when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceeding glad. For he was desirous to see him of a long season, because he had heard many things of him. And he hoped to have seen some miracles done by him. Then he questioned with him in many words, but he answered him nothing. And the chief priests and the scribes stood and vehemently accused him. And Herod with his men of war set him at naught and mocked him and arrayed him in a gorgeous robe and sent him again to Pilate. And the same day Pilate and Herod were made friends together. Wow, what a combo right there. For before they were at enmity between themselves. 
Now, this is a side note and has, doesn't have anything to do with the message. Herod, what a guy, right? Didn't Herod have his opportunity and he rejected the truth? John the Baptist tried, didn't he? Am I wrong on that statement this morning? No, he tried and he tried, and eventually John the Baptist was beheaded. He was given chance after chance. Jesus doesn't say a word to him. You know, that just reminds me of the fact, the book of Romans talks about it. There comes a point where you reject God enough, and you reject him enough, he'll give you over to a reprobate mind. That's not our job to figure out when that is. I hear preachers and different people. That guy, you don't know when, someone, when that happens. It's our job to quit being fruit inspectors and just give the gospel. You don't need to be a fruit inspector. Because the last time I checked, you can't tell what's on the inside. You can't. And that's not your job. It's your job to give the gospel and let the Spirit do its job. You're not a salesman, and you're not a fruit inspector. Remember those two things this morning. But I do see that Herod, Jesus said nothing to him. His chances had gone away. As we continue here, and we think about Herod, and we see these things, we see he goes before Herod, and we look at verse 23 of, chap of Luke chapter 23, verse 15. It says, No, nor yet Herod, for I sent you to him, and lo, nothing worthy of death is done unto him. Herod said Jesus didn't do anything worthy of death, and Pilate said there's nothing that Jesus did worthy of death. Jesus said the fact that his kingdom's not of this world, and really a lot of this comes down to verse 37 and 38 of John 18. Do you have those verses there? Take your Bibles with me. Hold your place here in Mark. Say, Pastor, we're, we're in Mark. We're going to John. I know. It's okay. You'll be alright. It is church. It's good to use your Bible, right? It's a good thing. And I put the verse up on the screens, but I also don't want you to lose track in the Bible too. John 18, verse number 37. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou a king then? Jesus answering, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause I came into the world, that I should bear witness un into the truth, or unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Pilate said unto him, Look at this. What is truth. And when he had said this, he went out again unto the Jews and said unto them, I find in him no fault at all. Pilate had his moment. What is truth? I bet Jesus would have told him. What does the Bible say? As soon as he was done saying it, he went out. We look at this passage and we see how this guy rejected the Lord. What is truth? He had truth before his very eyes. Pilate ignored that. Do you know Pilate's wife even warned him not to mess with this guy? Matthew 27, 19. We have that one. And when he had sat down at the judgment seat, his wife said unto him, saying, have thou nothing to do with that just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. She even warned him. You know, what is it, what is it with men and women in the Bible? When men listen to the lady, we get thrown out of the garden. 
And then the times they should have listened, they didn't listen. They got that backwards in those times. It's okay to smile a little bit. I'm just teasing a little bit. And so ladies have good advice, sound wisdom. And sometimes, and you've got to remember that as well. She warned him. But you've got to understand as we look at this and we see this, Pilate rejected Jesus once again because he had no room for him. He asked what truth was, but he wasn't concerned about the truth. He was happy with his position. He's happy with where he was. And you got to understand something this morning. A lot of people don't have the same power or position this morning that Pilate did. But there are a lot of people that do the same thing today that Pilate did so many years ago. They hear, they have the truth given, and they reject the truth. you got to understand, the Bible tells us in John 14, 6, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts 4, verse number 12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It's the name of Jesus. Jesus is the truth. And yet so many reject that today. They reject it because of their religion. Their religion has no room for them. They reject him because there's no room for him in their life and what they're doing. You've got to understand something. As we look at this, there are many people who claim to be Christian, and yet they don't even have a clue who Jesus Christ is. May I just help you out this morning? You cannot be a Christian and not know Jesus. Hence the name Christian. Do you know that Christ is at the beginning of Christian? Did you know that? You can't be a Christian without Christ. And I was hearing some people this last week, you ever, let me just tell, and there's a good thought here. You see, social media, it's got its blessings, it's got its curses, it's got all those things to it. But man, I see these, uh, I see these different groups this last week. One strong Christian, the other one said they're a strong Christian. They're just arguing back and forth over media. What good does that do? What good does that do for anyone? You know, so you say, well, I disagree with what they said. How about you call them and talk to them or go see them face to face? Don't air it online. You know, there have been some things, some friends or different people I know, I disagree with what they've said. I don't post on their thing. That was stupid. I might think it. I've messaged them privately and asked them what this means. But I'm not going to get on their thread and cause a big uproar. Do you know the world sees that stuff too? The shall men know they are my disciples if you argue with one another about theology on Facebook. I don't think that's part of it. It doesn't work that way. We're supposed to love one another. But there was this argument between these two groups, and the one is right, the one's wrong. The one group said, it really doesn't matter what you think about Jesus to be a Christian. And it's like, you've got to be kidding. you got rocks in your head. Does that verse have to be any simpler? I'm not the smartest guy around, but that verse is pretty simple. I think the verse we had up in John 14, 6 a few minutes ago, it's pretty simple. He is the way, the truth, the life. Period. There is no one else. And without Jesus, you cannot get to God. It's through Jesus Christ. But we see that the religious rejected him. The rulers rejected him. And then his own people, the Jews, number three, rejected him. Jews rejected him. Verse number six, and we're going to finish up here in just a few minutes. Where are we at on time? Oh, we're doing pretty good. We're doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Say, how good? I don't know. I just said that just to get, keep you encouraged. Keep you encouraged. Say, when's the sermon going to end? When it finishes. We have service at 10, I know, our next service at 10. 
and there's going to be people that come, so we'll get you out of here before 10. That's the plan. We look at verse number 6 of our text. It says, Now at that feast he released unto them one prisoner, whomsoever they desired. And there was one named Barabbas, which lay bound with them that had made insurrection with them. He led an uproar against Rome. And we see that in that process, he killed someone. He committed murder, the Bible tells us here. And, the, and it says here, And the multitude crying aloud began to desire him to do as he had ever done unto them. Now, there have been times I've preached through this passage, or I've mentioned it, and I've heard tons of preachers, I've said it myself. But when you really stop to think about it, you know, I would say, you know, a week before this, they were all crying out, Hosanna. And a week later, they're saying, crucify him. Let's be honest real quick. Did they have social media? Did they have the news they could turn on? Jesus was arrested in the middle of the night. No. This is early in the morning, right? Maybe a little bit later now after Herod and that. Did most people know that Jesus had been arrested? They did it privately. Probably a lot of these folks were there because they wanted Barabbas to be freed. They wanted him because he led a revolt against Rome. That's what they wanted. They didn't want Rome in charge, right? So most of these people that are probably there didn't even know Jesus. They probably weren't those ones that were there the week before. I could be wrong. I wasn't there. We can get there someday and look and ask them if we want to, but I'm going to be more concerned with Jesus than to ask those questions. But as we look at this, we see that Barabbas was a political prisoner. He was a revolutionary. Pilate offers the crowd a choice. Look at verse 8 through 10. And the multitude crying aloud began to desire to him to do as he had ever done to them. Every year he would release someone. They wanted him to release someone. But Pilate answering them saying, Will ye that I release unto you the king of the Jews? For he knew that the chief priests had delivered him for envy. He thinks that the people will choose a peace-loving king over a murderous revolutionary. See, Pilate's still trying to weasel his way out of this thing. He knew he was innocent. He should have just let him go. Herod should have let him go. The chief priests and scribes at night should have let him go. We see all these things add up before our very eyes. And, you know, to be honest, it sounds terrible. I'm glad they didn't let him go. Think on that. Because if they let him go, who would have died for my sin? Doesn't that sound terrible? His death had to happen to take my place. I'm glad they didn't release him. But it kills me to see what they did to him. But that had to happen to him because of us. That's why when you get on your little high horse and think you're something special, just go spend some time with Jesus and you'll realize there's nothing good about me. He's good. He's everything. And as we look at this, we see that in verse number 11 it says, But the chief priests moved the people that they should rather release Barabbas unto them. And we see the, chief, the Jewish leaders stir up the crowds. They get them to do what they wanted them to do. And they cry out, and well, Pilate says, Well, if, what do I do with Jesus then? They say, Crucify him. And Pilate, once again, you see there in verse number 14, then Pilate said to them, Why, what evil hath he done? And they cried out more exceedingly, Crucify him. 
And we see the Pilate being concerned to content the people, release Barabbas unto them, and delivered Jesus when he had scourged him to be crucified. History says that Barabbas' full name was Jesus Barabbas, which means Jesus the Son of the Fathers. So if that's really what his name meant, they had a choice that day to choose between Jesus the Son of the Fathers or Jesus the Son of God. And they chose the wrong one. They chose the one that never did anything wrong. They chose the perfect Son of God to die. But you think about that, he was dying for Barabbas. He was dying for all of us. He took our place. You really could take each of us this morning and put us in Barabbas' shoes that day. Barabbas really is just another example of us. We are waiting for death. And Jesus took our place so that we wouldn't have to die. But that day, the Jews rejected their king. He's not our king. Caesar's our king. Isn't that what they said? We have no king but Caesar. His blood can be on us. And I know Pilate washed his hands of it, but he made the decision. He did. But may I just remind you of all these things. Jesus was rejected by the religious people. He was rejected by the rulers. He was rejected by the Jews. But in that whole time, do you understand that God was still in control of everything? Pilate didn't crucify Jesus. The Jews didn't crucify Jesus. The chief priests and scribes didn't crucify Jesus. It pleased God to bruise him. God was in control. And aren't you glad that Jesus was willing to die for us? And don't you hate, and sometimes in life we look at things and we're like, that's just not fair. I didn't do that. And I, you know, as a kid, I didn't do that and I got in trouble. I learned a good lesson when I was a kid. There's something that happened, and uh, as a kid, I got, you know, there was a such thing as spankings and things like that, and uh, I, don't, it, I don't think I'm any worse today because of it. Now, you got to make sure there's a difference between, there's a difference between discipline and abuse. And you do not abuse, and you do not discipline in anger. The Bible's clear on that. I remember one time, I got spanked for something, and then it came back that I didn't do it. I remember I went out to my parents with my arms crossed like this and I had this smile on my face and my dad's statement I'll never forget it his statement was how many things have you not gotten caught for that you deserved it and this once it, was, it shouldn't have happened but just count yourself blessed that you haven't been caught all those other times and I remember that to this day Jesus is sure good to us willing to die so that we could live. Most of you here this morning, we don't have a lot of visitors in this service. Maybe next service we will or online when we're online. But people are still rejecting Jesus today. The religious crowd still doesn't want much to do with Jesus. Hey, look at our government. They don't, don't really want much to do with Jesus, do they? ourselves a big favor and get back to God but that doesn't look like it's going to happen anytime soon 
own people didn't receive him. Don't reject Jesus. If you're not saved this morning, and the Spirit of God's working on your heart, don't be like the religious crowd. Don't be like Pilate. Don't be like the Jews. Receive him. Don't reject him. Because at the end of life, it's going to come down to, you know, it's not going to matter how much money you made. It's not going to matter what cars you drove. None of those things are going to matter. What's going to matter is, did you receive him or did you reject him? And those that receive him, he gave him power to become the sons of God. Isn't that what the scripture tells us? Receive or reject. My prayer is that you would receive him and not reject him this morning. Father, thank you for the